morning, Randolph Street family, and thank you for being here this morning. This is the Lord's day, and we gather in this space to bring praise and honor to our great and glorious God. So thank you for joining with us this morning. It looks like we are still a little bit on holiday crowd mode, uh, but thank you for being here this morning, and uh, trust that as we walk out of this space in just a short while, that your hearts will be moved deeply and overwhelmed by the grace of our great and glorious God. So may God grant us just a special time of worship this morning on the Lord's Day. Grab your bulletins, just a few announcements uh, to point you to, more than a few, uh, a number of announcements to kind of get your mind on a few things coming up in the next several weeks. Uh, next week, we will have return to training hour. In our current session of training hour, we have two more weeks uh, of current classes, and then we will take a little bit of a break for two weeks as we have our annual meeting. Those notes are in your bulletin. Likewise, the last two Sundays of January, our annual meeting will take place at 9 a.m. here in this space from teens all the way up through adults. Uh, they will be included in that particular time. And then as you will note in your uh, bulletin, we hope, Lord willing, to return to our own Mission Together Mill the first Sunday of February. Um, so we've, we've been careful through this season with COVID and sicknesses, uh, but Lord willing, we will return to that uh, the first Sunday of February. And to tie all this together, uh, we all money donated that particular day for our own Mission Mill will go to support a church plant in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, Christ Community Church. Uh, the two planting pastors will be with us the Sunday before, the last Sunday of January, and be sharing with us the ministry uh, that they're engaged in in, Pre in uh, Prestonsburg. They are being sent out by one of our network churches, so we're really excited about this. Uh, so that on Mission Together Mill February the 6th will be very important for us as we support and help them in planting a church in a very uh, needed area. A couple of other things just to point out to you. Bible reading plans are located on the back. Uh, we are following, if you would like to join with some in the church this year, uh, Table Talks, uh, Ligonier Ministries Bible reading plan. Uh, there's an app you can download for this likewise, but we've printed out hard copies for you. They're located on the back table. Uh, if you would like to join together with a number of your church family here and reading through the Bible, I know there are many different plans that you all go through during the year. Whatever plan you choose, uh, choose the one that best fits your kind of situation of life. But let me really encourage you, um, you're just a couple of days into this year, uh, embrace a Bible reading plan, jump into it, read through at least the New Testament, but Lord willing, read through the whole Bible in 2022. You, you will not regret that effort. Uh, it's hard. Uh, it's time-consuming on certain days. It's difficult to fit it with your schedule, but uh, next year on December the 31st, when you finish up your Bible reading plan, you will be uh, forever grateful that you engaged your heart and mind in the reading of God's Word. So uh, grab a Bible reading plan, get involved in it. Uh, in our email this past week, we gave you a link to Ligonier Ministries that has a variety of reading plans that you can uh, hopefully fit into your particular schedule. And then just a little different note here, uh, next Sunday, uh, we're going to be introducing a, a number of new old hymns in the coming weeks and months. Next Sunday, we're going to introduce a 17th century German hymn uh, that's been kind of updated um, music-wise by Matt Merker and the Gettys. Uh, we've printed out that music. It's located on the back table. Uh, actually, Kathy's going to sing it a little differently, but she's going to sing it this morning during uh, uh, what used to be many, many years ago, our offertory time. 
but you'll hear that, and then you can grab that music if you would like, and we will introduce that music next Sunday morning. Okay, there's a number of other things in your bulletin. Please take note of those uh, as we wrap up last year and move into next year with our annual meetings and everything. We're looking forward to sharing a lot of good and hope, helpful information with you in the coming weeks. Okay, let's begin this Lord's Day by taking a moment, uh, quieting our hearts before the Lord. It, it is appropriate for us as God's people, as we enter into his presence together, to do so with clean and pure hearts. Let's take a moment to confess our sins to the Lord. And let, let this text, 2 Corinthians 5.21, rest upon your hearts this morning. Uh, if you're a believer in Christ here this day, this, this truth and this passage, it is for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That is good gospel truth for you this morning to step into this time together as God's people and to worship our great and glorious Savior. Let's take a moment, quiet our hearts, let's confess our sins to the Lord and prepare to worship together. together in prayer. Well, Father, you have called us to this day. You have set aside these moments for us as your people to gather together, to lift up our hearts and our voices in worship to you, our God. So help us now as we enter into this most holy moment as a church family, to have hearts and minds that are pure and clean before you. Father, forgive us for our sins. Cleanse us, O oh God, from all unrighteousness. Lord, you are a merciful, faithful, kind, and gracious God. When we read this text this morning of 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are reminded of this that for our sake you treated Jesus as if he was the sinner. And because of his obedience at the cross, you treat us, you, you bestow upon us the righteousness that comes only from you. Thank you for the grace you have shown to us as your people. Help us now as we enter into this moment to respond to you with grateful hearts. And Father, may you be glorified as your people gather. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now please stand as we read together Psalm 62 for our call to worship. For God alone my soul awaits in silence. 
from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. seated. This year we're going to work through the Baptist Catechism. I trust it'll be a blessing to you. I always encourage you, don't ever let these moments become routine in the sense that you go through them without really engaging the heart and the mind. There is so much truth that if it settles in our soul, it can produce great fruit for the glory of the Lord. Who is the first and best of beings? God is the first and best of beings. 
What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our Father, these questions and answers are so basic to who we are in you. I pray, Lord, that they would guide us in such a grand way that they would provide for us that thought that day in and day out in relationships and each and everything we would do that we would understand that we have been created by you not only created by you but created for you and for your glory I pray Lord that we would recognize that that we have been created to enjoy you to enjoy the fellowship that we have we thank you for Christ that enables us to be in that right relationship with you as we saw in our gospel assurance I ask Lord that you would use these things in our mind might we focus upon them I pray Lord for this entire service today that it would be to your honor and to your glory might we sing as unto you might we recognize that you are present with us Lord might that overwhelm us oh God might it cause our hearts to respond and pouring forth praise and honor and glory and worship and obedience to you, our great God. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please stand. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that brought joy and light that led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I
you are, let us hear now from God's holy word. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to, dis to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw, 
when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled by what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping a loud lamentation, children weeping for her Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the children and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who had sought the child the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that it was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. A reading from Peter's first epistle. Behold, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that ye also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time of judgment to begin at the household of God. And he begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Please stand. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. Holy bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken.
scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. We'll be reading from chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. If you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you have created and sustained everything. And in these confusing and difficult times, we take great comfort in knowing that everything is working out according to your plan, even if we don't understand it. Thank you for your word. We know your word is true, and we know from this morning's scripture your word is the only offensive weapon that you have given to us. You have prepared us. You have given us talents and strengths. Now we ask that you use us to further your kingdom on this earth, to be salt and light. Father, there are several people in our Randolph Street family that are struggling with this virus and with other ailments. We know that you are the great healer, and we ask this morning that you would heal and comfort all of our family that are in need. We pray for the missionaries and the pastors of the little churches around Appalachia that are bringing your light to a darkened world. We pray for the people that we have been learning about these past several months in areas of the world who have not heard about you and do not know you. We pray that they may hear your word and it will touch their hearts. And while we are praying for missionaries, we thank you for safely rescuing those that were taken hostage in Haiti. We know this was only through your work that that rescue happened. We thank you for pastors Jason and Tim as they teach us and lead us. Keep us in your word. Give us knowledge and understanding that we may be the people you have called us to be, that we may glorify you. We ask for all of this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
I thank the Lord for good music, songs that we can sing to reflect our heart, to encourage our hearts. I was reading through that song. Pastor Jason gave me a copy of that to look over, and there's some hard words in there in the reality of life to know that God's sovereign in all things and some of the very difficult things he brings to us, and yet we know that we can rest in him and trust in him, for he is a good and caring God been my privilege last week and again this Sunday to kind of lead us into the new year, encourage our heart. The Lord placed this passage that Walker read just a couple of moments ago to us from Ephesians chapter 6. So if you would open up your Bibles to that text and follow along as I speak this morning, I would appreciate it. It begins in verse 10 with the term, finally. It's a very important word, more so than just saying, hey, the end is here. I think what Paul is striving to do in this text of Scripture is to be able to reach back into all that he has done. And so that's where we focused last week, to reach back for us to understand all that is involved in making the statements that he's going to make here. There is truth that's incorporated into these things. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I appreciated the song we sang just a few moments ago, yet not I, but Christ in me or through me. That reality that we live the Christian life, not in our own strength, but we live the Christian life. We live and breathe and have our being. We have our assurance. We have our confidence, not in who we are, but who we are in Christ. And so that which we hold to is Christ. And Paul speaks to that. He says to stand firm because of that. We are to stand firm in Christ. I trust that you deeply value and have good understanding. If you're new in the faith or you're really new to the scriptures, I encourage you to read and to study God's word as you look through the scriptures and find out who your God is because we are in him we are one with him. We are united with the triune God of the universe, which is a mind-boggling truth. And yet Paul sets it forth. He tells us that we have been seated in heavenly places. He tells us we have been chosen in him. We have been sealed by him. We are indwelt by the Spirit of God. All that God has given to us is laid forth in these chapters. And it governs every relationship that we have. It governs the relationship that we have with one another and how we are to respond in those relationships. It governs the relationship of marriage. Marriage is not lived outside the truth of who we are in Christ, but as believers, marriage is lived within the context of being followers of Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ and we are heirs together as one, we are one with one another, we are one with God. How critical that is to us living the Christian life. It oversees and governs the relationship between a child and his parent and a parent and his child. And it governs the relationship in the work environment, master and those who work for them. And so everything that we have is governed by this relationship. And Paul says, be strong. 
Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in who he is and what he has done for us. Find in him your identity and then live through the power of his might. Yet not I, but Christ in me. We are called to stand firm. Four times he uses this thought, stand firm, stand, stand therefore, withstand. But how do we move into this battle? In this passage of scripture that Walker read to us just a moment ago, it's, it's so evident that Paul is thinking of the Christian life as a battle. He sets forth an enemy. And we recognize that living the Christian life is not easy. If we really embrace the call to live for the glory of God, if we really embrace the call to pursue holiness, if we really embrace the call to have homes and families and relationships that honor and bring glory to God, we recognize that it is not easy. It is not easy because we live in a broken world. It is not easy because we are not fully perfect in this life. We still battle sin. But it is not easy because we have an enemy. The enemy is the devil. He is so clearly called out here. And this devil is scheming. He's designing. He is utilizing the weaknesses of our life. He is utilizing the realities of living in a broken world. And he has great power. But Paul is so clear as he pens this letter and all the way through the Scripture that there is one more powerful. We are not more powerful than the devil in our own flesh, but there is one who has gained ultimate victory, and it is Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul tells us two times in verse 11 and again in verse 13, put on the whole armor of God, take up the whole armor of God. Standing firm. Let me just give you the definition once again. I think it's important here. It means to hold one's position, resisting, not surrendering to the opposition, but prevailing against it. The decisive victory has already been won by God in Christ. And the task is the, of the believers is not to go out and whip the devil but rather to stand, that is to persevere and maintain what is ours. The battle has been won. This is a reminder that our liberty from the tyranny of these powers is secured in Christ. Believers, and this is important, I'm going to be bringing this out again a little bit later on with the armor. Believers must appropriate what has already been gained for them. The word stand there is so critical. It is standing in Christ. It is standing in his power. It is standing firm in the victory that is ours in Christ. There may be defeats along the way, and we recognize that day in and day out, but we stand and maintain that the ultimate victory is ours, who is Christ. Paul says in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. The 
whole armor of God. We're going to see that the armor covers every piece of the body. It secures for us everything we need to engage in battle. It's the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I think it's, it's worth noting when he uses the term there, the evil day. Two or three things might be meant by using this phrase. One is just the sense of everyday life. We live in an evil day. We live in an evil time. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that, the, that Satan is the god of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air, and we recognize that. The evil day here, some suggest, is that great catastrophic time that Daniel speaks of in Daniel chapter 12. Or it could mean just those periods of time when temptations are intense, laser-like attacks that seek to destroy our faith, to abandon God, and to engage in destructive sin. I think all of us recognize that there are moments in our life that can be very defining. Things that are going to come upon us and Satan will bring a very intense attack into our life. It might take place in the workplace. You might face this in, intense temptation that comes to do something that will be absolutely destructive to relationships in your life. It could be that coming upon you something has happened in your life and satan will come in and seek to bring doubt and discouragement christian life is not worth it what goods it do to read your bible what goods it do to pray here i am in this messy situation here i am all these things and satan brings into your mind and it's that intense laser-like attack that comes into your life we need to be able to stand in those moments. We stand in those moments when we have the wisdom of God to understand that the strength comes from him and we take up the whole armor of God to be able to withstand in those days. Let's take just a moment and look at the armor. Let's kind of walk down through those particular points and times. One other point I want us to bring out, or I want to bring out here, there's always this balance between God doing things for us that we cannot do, that we recognize that we live in the strength of the Lord. And sometimes it might cause us to become lazy in our responsibilities. But you'll note here there are many verbs that were called take up, stand, put on. All these things speak about something that we are responsible to do. A verse of Scripture that has been extremely helpful to me, and I go back to it often because I need to be reminded of this truth. I remember the Lord brought it to my attention years and years and years ago. But it is fresh to my soul every time. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. Paul is speaking here about his mission of preaching the gospel, of taking forth the word of God. And he says this. Now listen closely. Paul says, For this, the ministry of the gospel, living for Christ, for this I 
toil. Paul speaks about giving himself fully to what God has called him to do. Paul is engaging. Paul is toiling. Paul is exhausting himself with giving himself to Christ. Struggling, he says. But now listen to the remainder of the phrase. For this I toil, struggling with all his, God's, Christ's energy that he powerfully works within me. So as we think about the armor, the armor, everything has been given to us. We've been seated in the heavenly places. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You read through Ephesians and you're just overwhelmed by what God has given, the richness of his grace that he's lavished upon us. But we must take it up. We must engage in the Christian life. We must give ourselves to the pursuit of Christ. It isn't that we live it in our own strength. We don't. We live it in his strength. But we must put on these pieces of armor. As we look through the armor, I, I read a, in a, one of the commentaries I used to study something that was helpful to me and I think might be helpful to you because you might, each of us as we read through here, there might be trigger points when we see these pieces of armor that make us think about something. And Lincoln said this in his commentaries, the qualities to which the various parts of the armor point are used rather generally and loosely and cannot always be pinned down precisely. That, uh, the idea of like the truth and faith in these things, righteousness. The interpreter has to attempt to discover an acceptable range of meaning from the context and use the terms that as in the use of the terms elsewhere in the letter. What we're going to do as we walk through these pieces of armor is look through the book of Ephesians, this letter that Paul's written and where he's used these terms. And I think as we see that, he will help us understand what he means in the context of this letter written to this church in the first century that we can take and apply to our own lives. The first piece of armor, verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. So that's the first piece of armor if you're taking notes this morning. All of these are kind of a picture of a Roman soldier. And so if you would have lived at that time, you'd have understood exactly what he's talking about. The belt of truth was a leather belt used under the armor to hold up and secure the clothing to ensure easy, rapid movement. You know that if you've ever seen pictures of the Roman soldiers, they kind of have a, um, a, you know, an apparel on. It's kind of like a skirt-like thing. And so they would take it and put it up between their legs and hold it up and use this belt to secure it so when they're in the battle, they wouldn't trip over something. It would give them easy and fluid movement. They would be secure that they could be able to go forth into the battle without any worry. The breastplate, or the, the belt of truth. And so let's think about the term truth. Look at chapter 1, verse 13, if you would. Chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also, 
when you heard the word of truth. Certainly when we think of truth, we think of the scriptures. The Bible is truth. The truth shall set you free, John says. Look, if you would please, at chapter 4, verse 21. We see a little bit different slant to it here. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To embrace Christ, to live in Christ, to pursue Christ is to pursue truth because Christ is truth. So truth is the word, truth is Christ. Verse 24, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so truth is not only something that is out there, the word in Christ, but truth defines how we live, that we are a person governed by truth, that we are full of integrity, that we have good, solid character. We live in true righteousness and holiness. Look at verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth, again the word, with his neighbor. And then chapter 5, verse 9. Paul's going to tell them to walk in many different ways. It's an interesting study in the book of Ephesians. But here he says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. I believe what he's talking about here, all these are involved. That the word of God is what secures us and allows us to enter into battle. Christ, our standing in Christ, is what secures us and allows us to walk in a way that honors him. But it is also the sense of integrity. Over and over and over again, the Word of God places such importance in being a truthful person, being true, being genuine, not being fake, not being a fraud, not being deceitful, but being honest, living in integrity. Not living the life as loose as you can, but living the life based on the truth that God has called us to. You think about the qualities and qualifications of an elder. Almost all of them in the beginning deal with the fact that we have good character. Pastor Jason has spoken of that over and over and over again. You identify an elder by the character of their life. Is Christ evident in their life? Is Christ working in their life? Are they true? Are they genuine? Little else can be done in life if we're not an honest person. Parents recognize this. Parents work with their children to help them to be honest. If you can't trust somebody, it's very, very difficult to ever give them any responsibility. It's, ever, it's difficult for them really to move forward in life. So I believe when Paul says, put on the belt of truth, it is that foundation that ties everything together that allows us to be able to move into battle without any worry. It is the Word of God, it is Christ, but I believe foremost as those two work in our life, it is strong, strong character. Listen to what 
Peter says. I think he wraps it up so well here. Second Peter chapter 1 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Exactly what Paul's been pressing upon. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us every precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. That's the very first thing he sets forth here, character. And then he adds several more things as we go forth. All right, let's go back to Ephesians. So we have the belt of truth. Secondly, we see the the breastplate of righteousness, again in verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is a small metal piece, something that covers really just the vital organs, the heart and the lungs and this area of your body that if you get struck, it can take your life immediately. And so we find that it is important in this way, and it is the righteousness. So let's go back to chapter 4 and see how Paul's using this. Chapter 4 and verse 24 again. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And again, in chapter 5, verse 9, the one we read just a moment ago. Again, he links it here. Um, fruit of light that is found in all that is good and right. Righteousness, right living, doing things that are right. And again, in chapter 6, verse 1, parents, children says, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It is just the right, it is the righteous thing to do. I believe he's speaking here about doing what is right. It's not simply a reference to being declared right with God in salvation, righteousness, justification that we are right with God, but rather that we are living a life that is right with God. So not based on our standing of righteousness, but living a right life, just simply doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. It is that right relationship, how critical it is when we know something to, that is right to do that we do that. It is what protects us. It is, keeps that deadly blow from coming to our lives. I think all of us recognize this. Many times we are faced by, are we going to do what is right or not what is right? I think because we are right with God, we live in a way daily that is right with God. The third one, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of, of peace. Shoes to anyone is very, very important. Depending on what you're doing, you want to make sure you have the right shoes for that occasion. If you're a runner, you want to have the right shoes. If you participate in track and different things, you're hunting, you don't use shoes that you wear to church. If you're going to church, you know the importance of shoes. I think Paul's emphasis here is that you use shoes that are fitting for the purpose. 
Use shoes to go forth. What fits us to live the Christian life? So let's continue to read here. Shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We sometimes think of that verse in Romans, that those who go forth preaching good tidings have beautiful feet. But he's not talking about beautiful feet and proclaiming the gospel. He's talking here rather about the readiness of the gospel. The gospel fits us for every occasion that we walk into. We appropriate the truth of the gospel. Many times we use a little phrase here, we preach the gospel to ourselves. We recognize that the gospel has application to every situation in life. The gospel, the tenets of the gospel, that we are sinners and we live with sinners, but we are to forgive, we're to be reconciled. Gospel is formed by peace. Gospel gives us victory. And so we look at the various elements of the gospel and we recognize that they are critical for living life. They fit us for every given situation. The readiness of the gospel. And Paul says, put on the gospel. Live a life that is right. Live a life that is based on truth with integrity, full of integrity. And recognize to equip yourself with the gospel to go forth into every given situation. We now move into the shield of faith. He kind of changes just a little bit here. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So he's speaking of a situation that includes everything, and it's perfect that he uses this illustration. The shield of faith was a large wooden thing. They said normally four feet high and two and a half feet wide. It was given or carried or taken into the battlefield to protect you from the enemy shooting something at you to destroy you. It was normally covered in leather, sometimes soaked in water to extinguish the arrows that would come. And so this is something that you hide behind. It is good for every circumstance of life. And anything that Satan is going to throw at you this piece of armor is critical for you to be able to gain victory. And that piece of armor is simply faith. Faith. I was talking to a sister this morning and she was speaking about some of the very difficult things that she and her husband were working through with their parents as they're aging and all the complications that can come from that. And she said, you know, I just have to trust God that he will work these things out. I don't know how they're going to work out. They seem very difficult to me. There doesn't seem to be a good option here, but I just have to trust the Lord. The song that Kathy sang this morning, speaking about the sovereignty of God. Things can come into our life that just... We don't know how to handle them. We just don't know what to do with certain things. And we have to take faith in God. 
It is that which quenches every dart. You think Satan doesn't hurl darts at you when you walk through hard times? Where is God? I don't sense the presence of God. All the various things that can come into our life. What do I do? Why, don't God, why doesn't God give me an answer? And faith, just simply trusting God. Sometimes people look at Christians and they say, that's just a, a crutch. You can always turn it out. Well, just trust God. But that is the one element. Be strong in the Lord. You do what is right. You have integrity based on your relationship with God as God's word defines it. We take the gospel. We believe that the gospel is true. We believe that the gospel has power not only to save, not only to cause us to enter into relationship with God, but we live by the gospel. And the gospel is fitting to any occasion. And we simply take this. He kind of wraps it all up and he speaks about this, this shield of faith. Believing, trusting. When Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, he says, I rejoice to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I can't tell you how many times throughout a year, a given year, I am reminded of this simple truth. Not only as I read the Word of God, but it just as I live my Christian life. I sometimes used to think when you got old, you got it all figured out. I realize that's just not the case. There's a lot of things you experience as you get older that you've not experienced before that you don't even really give a thought to. And I recognize I just simply have to trust God. I don't have the answers, but I know God cares for me. I know that God is wise. I know that God is good. I know that God will not forsake me. I believe that to the core of my being. When God begins, or when Satan begins to hurl at you discouragement and doubt and anger for our situation and bitterness, he begins to tempt you to lie. He begins to tempt you to be deceitful. He begins to tempt you just to give in and enjoy the pleasures of your flesh, the pleasures of life. Why give myself to the pursuit of God when I can enjoy all the things that are out there in the world? Whatever that dart might be, I don't know what it is. You do. You know the darts that come so often into your life. In that intense moment, in that evil day, stand firm. You stand firm because there's a shield here that'll quench the dart. And that shield is faith. Not the greatness of our faith, but our faith in the greatness of God. It is that shield of faith. One person put it this way, faith takes hold of God's resources in the midst of the onslaughts of evil and produces a firm resolve which douses anything the enemy throws at the believer. 
Now we move to a little bit different thought process. Everything here has been given to us. We put it on. We're engaging in this. We come down to verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. These, these are gifts of God, gifts that are free. We take the helmet of salvation. A helmet, of course, is just something that fits over the head and protects the mind, protects the head, protects you from getting, you know, woozy. Someone gives you, a, you know, hits you on the head and concussion, all these things, but it protects the mind. Salvation is that which protects us. It is that which holds us secure. It is that which keeps us going in a good pathway. Chapters 1 and 2 speak about that. It is that assurance that we are secure in Christ. God has saved me. That's what gears my thinking. That's what produces the right decisions in me to understand it is that helmet of salvation. I think about the words of John. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them me to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We are eternally secure in Christ. No man can take that away. Absolutely no one. It is that salvation, that confidence in Christ that allows us to move on. It is that glorious truth that renews us, those mercies every day in salvation that renew our soul and renew our mind. So we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Walker mentioned this in his prayer. I don't know if you picked it up or not. I did because I knew what I was going to be preaching here. And he said the only offensive weapon that, that is listed here in the armor is the sword. The sword kind of, we're striking out. All the rest of them are defensive things that we have. that defends against the blow, the helmet, the, the shield, the breastplate, the, the girdle or the belt of truth. But this is one that we're engaging. The sword here isn't one of those long sabers but it is what was called the Roman short sword. It was used in close hand-to-hand -hand combat. Have you ever thought about the Word of God as being a sword? A sword which the Spirit of God utilizes in our life to do battle. I'm sure you're familiar with Christ's temptation. What did Christ use to battle Satan? He used the Word of God. Pastor Jason encouraged us today to take time and read the Scriptures this year in whatever way that you are able to do. But let me just encourage us, take some time regularly 
Now, if you miss a day, don't check the whole year and say, well, I have to wait till next January to start a Bible reading plan. Just stay in the Word. Think about the Word. Because the Word of God becomes that instrument, that weapon, if you will, in that close hand-to-hand combat, when you are living life, it is the Word of God that guides you. One person speaking about this talked about that the, that the Spirit uses this short sword to give precise penetration and power against the enemy. You know where to take and to strike the enemy. And the Word of God does that. The Word of God guides us. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The Word of God cleanses things in our mind and sets us on a right way. It renews our mind every day. It helps us think right. It does battle against the pride of life. It humbles us before the Lord. The Word of God is that which which the Holy Spirit uses as a weapon against Satan. Nothing can stand against the truth of God's Word. All these pieces of armor are interrelated. They're, they're, they're loosely defined to help us understand that we're taking God's Word, we're taking the Spirit of God, we're taking truth, we're taking all these things that come to us as a result of being in Christ and we use them in everyday life. This thing of walking with God is not a Sunday thing. It is an everyday thing. Parents, how do you deal with children that are going in different things and, and they're, they're going contrary to what you want them to do in helping them build character and learning to be obedient, learning to respect? You take the Word of God and you use it to do battle. I don't, not a real sword. Don't get that far off. But just take the Word of God and place it into their life in a precise way to penetrate and move. Each of us need to be able to do that. How many of you have ever read something in the morning and it's come to light that part or sometime during that day? It's like God knew what I was going to do and he gave me something to help me through a situation. That's happened to me many times. It's happened to me many times that God will give me something. I'm speaking to somebody and that verse will come to my mind and the Spirit of God will use that verse. It's a mystery in some ways. It's a spiritual in nature. But oh, how important and how real it is in our life. Be faithful in the Word. Take this weapon of God's Word and use it for his glory. The last one here is in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end that you keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. I don't have time to get into this not because it's not important because it's critically important, but just recognizing that we take these pieces, we put them on We recognize that God has given them to us. God will utilize them. God will help us go forth in in these things. We do battle against Satan, a very real enemy. And we pray. And we persevere. Day in, day out.
we do this. We put on the armor. We put on the armor. We put on the armor. We seek to utilize these things so that we might indeed live for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, I recognize that your word is powerful. Holy Spirit, it is my prayer that you have taken and will take and continue to take these words and place them in the hearts of your people. Use them, Lord, to protect us. Use them, Lord, to help us live for your glory. Father, your salvation is a glorious thing. It has equipped us with so much so that we can live to bring glory and honor to your name. Oh, Lord, help us to utilize every element of the armor that you've given to us. It is your armor, the armor of God. Lord, as we come to the table today, as we prepare our hearts to come to the table, I would ask, Lord, that you would use the table regularly to remind us of our salvation, to remind us of truth. Father, might we value these things deeply. I pray, God, that you would do a sweet and precious work in our lives. I'm going to ask our elders if you would come at this time and prepare the table. Deacons, if you would be in place to dismiss the people. We encourage any who are here and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, please come and partake the table. You don't have to be a member of Randolph Street, but you need to be a part of the body of Christ. That which we celebrate today speaks of what Christ has done for us. If you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ at this point in your life, I would just simply ask you to observe what's taking place here. Watch the gospel on display that Jesus Christ gave himself for his bride, gave himself for his people. He redeemed the people. I would encourage you to simply cry out in faith, believe what Jesus Christ has done for you and be saved today. But we ask only those who are genuine followers and believers in Christ to participate in the table today. Father, we pray for your richest of blessings upon this table today in Christ's name.
And for a brief moment, let us render praise and adoration to our God because this is Christ's body and blood for you. Father, for this gift that you have blessed us with through your Son, that now we may sit here this morning with bread and cup in hand, being called to remember that this is the body and shed blood of Christ for us. Help us now to have that gospel truth settle deeply into our souls and call forth responses of praise and worship to you, our gracious God. Thank you so much for the gift of your Son. To you be glory. In his name, amen. Paul would write to the church at Corinth, reminding them of the words of Jesus not only to them, but to you. That the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he had given thanks. He broke that bread and he said to his disciples and he says to us, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, remind his disciples that this cup is the new covenant in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it, Jesus would say, in remembrance of me. And Paul reminds us, as often as you and I join together and eat of this bread and drink through this cup, together we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And what has resounded throughout the history of the church is the prayer that lingers at the end of Revelation. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Pray together. Father, again, thank you for this grace that you have given us in your Son. And we would pray in light of Paul's words here that soon our eyes, our physical eyes would be set up on your son. That you would send him. That we would go to him. And that we would experience the eternal blessedness that you have promised us in Jesus. Thank you for this truth. Strengthen our faith this morning as Pastor Tim preached. Take this gospel strengthen our faith so that as we walk out into the days that are before us and the fiery darts come, we may be protected because our faith is grounded in you, our God. Thank you again for this time. Blessed be your name.
In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Stand and let's sing, if you would.
firm anchored in the truth of our great God. Hallelujah. Please join me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.